listening to the Young Money Podcast, where Eddie Youngrice interviews young entrepreneurs, hustlers, and innovators to get a first-hand view into the exciting future and the people who will lead us there. Yeah. Cool. How's it going? I, I like the uh, the headphones. Thank you. Yeah, I, I can also. Well, it's going to be audio only, so uh, yeah, <laughs> we can. I can keep them on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I tend to to keep these on. Also, if I'm yelling, let me know because with the uh, sometimes with the noise canceling, I talk way louder than oh, okay. uh, what I should be. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, no. I'm, I was telling you earlier. I'm still figuring out the audio stuff. I mean, honestly, like it's pretty cool. Um, creating a podcast is super easy. Uh, like I'm using yeah. Anchor.fm. I think Spotify bought them like a year ago. Um, super easy to handle distribution and like, um, and then basically all you have to do is upload episodes and like you can do audio through like other services. I was trying like iris.fm. It's like an Israeli company. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I need to, I think, I think I need to get an, a separate mic and maybe over the, you know, over the ear headphones for it to work. But uh, it was okay. like, there's some weird, uh, echoing going on. And I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to zoom. Like, yeah, like I was trying to pick up both things at the same time or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you That's know, brutal. some 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 learnings, but yeah, man, I appreciate you you uh you joining this. Um I think I you know, I told you before, but I was just kind of realizing that um you know, I have a lot of really cool friends doing interesting stuff like yourself and I've I've you know, I feel like pretty cool conversations about, you know, different industries mm-hmm. and all that and I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing that and my friends would benefit from getting like a platform. And then more importantly, I think like uh, there's a lot of success, successful people out there who aren't necessarily that smart, but they've just done a great job of building their brand and starting early because that's like an asset that, you know, accrues over time. So I'm like, you know, yeah. screw it. Like there's no downside of building a personal brand. Like as you start working on different things on the side, and I think everyone should start doing that. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like where the idea came from. We'll see where it goes. No, that, was, that sounds awesome. Uh, never been on a podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I listen to a few, um, yeah. but but not as much as others. And I know they're getting wicked popular, so it's kind of cool to to jump on. And it's just fun chatting with you as well. So yeah, uh, anything kind of startup related, it's just fun to to have a conversation about. Yeah, absolutely, cool. Well, holding. Yeah, I guess like you know, like I said, super laid back, but just like kind of you know, general questions, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. But. As just to start off, uh, you know, love to, uh, one sec, love if you could just share, you know, a little bit about your, about yourself, your background, you know, um, college, we did before college and, you know, where you, what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, so I'll give a very long winded answer. So feel free to come on anytime you want. Um, but essentially, yeah, I mean, my name's Holden Lindblom. Uh, I was born in Sweden. Uh, moved to the U.S. when I was six years old. Um, my mom's American. My dad's Swedish. They met uh, when he was doing a foreign exchange in the U.S. And uh, after well, about 10 years of my mom living in Sweden, she was uh, done with the, the cold and freezing and uh, really long winter. So we moved back to the U.S. to North Carolina, did elementary school there, and then moved up to Massachusetts, where, you know, even though I did uh, only middle school and high school, in mass, I kind of consider it my hometown, even though I've moved my entire life. Uh, growing up, I've always loved food. I cooked in the kitchen with my dad a whole bunch. He traveled a lot for work. So anytime he was home, him and I were, were cooking up a storm in the kitchen. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a chef growing up. Then I thought I wanted to do animation. I really didn't have a good direction mm-hmm. um, in school. And I was a horrible high school student, horrible middle school student, horrible elementary school student. Um, 
And so I was just really lost. I was actually about to drop out of high school and I was talking to my guidance counselor and she said like, well, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, like, I don't know. I like food. I'll like work in a kitchen or something like that or, or just like join the military. And she's like, okay, well, you know, like start exploring these options. Uh, So went, talked to an army recruiter and he said like, you know, we're not really taking uh, GEDs anymore. Like by the time you get that and we get the approval for that, like you would have finished high school anyways. Mm -hmm. So I took that advice and I said, okay, I guess, you know, I need to join the army. There's no way I'm going to go to college. Like, I'm just not ready for it. Uh, I'm not smart enough for it. Uh, Joined the army a month after graduating and I graduated high school in 2012. uh, So I'm a a little bit on the older side. Um, Went into basic training a month after graduating, did that. Uh, almost failed out of that. Like I really struggled. I, you know, I, I played a couple sports as a kid, but I always quit anything that I tried. And the army was a huge culture shock for me where, oh. you know, you have to put in a lot of physical and mental, str- uh, you know, effort into, to doing well. Uh, but graduated that, then I went into job training and, and basic was the first time I think I like felt that sense of accomplishment of, I put in all this effort and I got yeah. something out of it. Uh, so I went into job training with that mentality, graduated, you know, in the top 10 of my class, got promoted, got sent to an additional school and then got sent to Italy uh, where I got sent to uh, JFO school, which is just um, learning how to communicate with aircraft and helicopters. Graduated again, kind of top of my class there. And that's when I started realizing that I did actually like learning. Yeah. Um, something kind of clicked. Uh, joining into the military from I hate school to, wow, like education can be a lot of fun. There can be a lot of um, applicable reasons for it. And, you know, putting in that effort, you can get some rewards out of it as well. Um, So I did two years with the 173rd Airborne and then went over to the 101st in Tennessee. Um, In 2015, I had done kind of my four years in the Army. I had done a few schools. And um, I felt like I did all the things that I wanted to do. And my sister, uh, who was always very college oriented, she went to UMass Amherst, um, did a uh, Fulbright scholarship, then got into Yale for her law school. You know, I was starting to talk to her and said, you know, what are my options? And I got put in contact with one of her classmates who had started service to school, which essentially helps veterans get into um, colleges and they mentor you on how to, you know, prepare your application, all this other stuff. And they said like, Oh, like, you know, you can get into Yale and you can get into Stanford and Harvard and all these other schools. I was like, no, like I graduated high school with like a 2.0 GPA or like a 1.8, like there's no way. And they're like, no, like go to community college, get your grades up, show that you can actually do this. And like, we promise you, like you can get into one of these schools so I got out, did exactly that, went to community college. During that time, I actually worked in a restaurant, uh, cooking up some food, uh, started a nonprofit that was a peer-to-peer network for veterans, and just did really well. I got a 4.0. I was the mm-hmm. president of the Student Senate, you know, the nonprofit, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and then in 2017, I, I got into Stanford, uh, went there, loved it. It was a great time. I, I mean, like I never thought you know, especially, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, like, oh, would you ever like get into Stanford? It's like, no, like I hate school. <laughs> and going from that to being into Stanford was great. Um, thought I wanted to do economics, thought I wanted to go into investment banking. I did equity research my first summer and I just hated it. It was completely opposite of like all the things that I enjoy. It's very, you know, straight arrow, you know, you're wearing black socks and you're going in, doing your Excel sheets day in you know. and day out. <laughs> and 
there's no real like creative outlet for me. So the next summer I was able to get into ZX Ventures, which was the uh, accelerator incubator arm of Anheuser-Busch. And there, you know, you're in a small team, you're learning the lean startup methodology, you're starting a startup and your, your voice like really has impact and you can be creative. And I just love that. It was an opportunity for me to kind of get those creative juices going, to problem solve, to talk to consumers. So kind of from that experience, I knew that that was kind of my path forward. It's like, I want to do startups. This is exactly what I want to do. So for, you know, graduating, I found this uh, German-based startup. I had done a study abroad in Berlin, and this startup uh, just got their Series A. They sold into restaurants. It was in the food industry. I was like, oh, this is like, this checks all the boxes, yeah. right? Uh, unfortunately, COVID hit. Uh, I graduated a quarter early to work with them, but then COVID hit. All the restaurants closed down, and they rescinded all their wow. offers, which, you know, it happens. And I told yeah. them, I was like, I saw this coming. Like, I'm not going to blame you whatsoever on this. Yeah. I took that as a blessing in disguise. And I said, like, I can spend the next kind of three to four months trying to get a job during a pandemic. Or yeah. I can take this time, try to start my own thing, take all my lessons learned from, you know, my years of experience it, and apply it to my own startup. And that's exactly what I did. I started out with CookEasy, which was a meal planning app that helped reduce food waste. Um, got some pre-seed funding for that. After a few months, though, realizing I wasn't getting the traction that I wanted, did the very startup thing that I think uh, a few people experience and did a pivot, did yeah. a hard pivot to Pico Mart. And that really just came from talking to consumers, getting out there and seeing what people really wanted. And now that's what I'm doing. And essentially, it's a, a smart fridge point of sale system. Uh, that goes into apartment lobbies where you can get your fresh local produce. So farm fresh condo kiosk. Uh, and, and that's what I've been doing now. And, and it's super exciting. You know, we're getting ready uh, to raise a seed round in the next kind of few months, getting ready to launch in the Boston market. And um, it's just exciting. I know that was a very long winded no, uh, kind of that was background. Awesome. Yeah, no, that, that was great. And like, you know, I, uh, definitely wanted to have you on here, you know, being a friend and just, I feel like you have such an interesting story. I mean, I feel like you've experienced literally everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, like, I think to some extent, you know, I've had a very kind of eclectic background, Yeah. but one of the things I've always tried to do is, you know, be open-minded and there's still so much that I can learn. And yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, when I went into Stanford, I, I made it my effort not to, kind of self-insulate myself and say like, oh, like I know everything and I've done this, that, and the other, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. coming in at 24, 25, I think yeah. it's very easy to be like, oh, well, like what do these 18, 19 year olds know? Yeah. But likewise, you know, I've talked to people that, you know, were like doing a summer internship trying to cure cancer or, you know, I mean, you yourself, you know, started your own startup and, and you know, there's so many things that I can learn from you guys as well. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone has their own paths and, you know, learning from people who were successful in school, you know, throughout their entire life is equally as important to me who like didn't have that experience. Sure. No, definitely. No. And I think, I think that's something I've been like realizing, uh, it's, I don't know if it's a very Stanford thing, but kind of coming in and feeling like everyone's an idiot and like that you're young and innovative and, you know, you can disrupt things and then you kind of get older and like, I think it's good to, um, maintain a balance of like being youthful and being like curious and questioning things and be like, Oh, wow, it should be done better. Or like, or I, I think I can do a better job at that or whatever. 
but at the same time understanding that, hey, you're you're young or you haven't experienced everything, be open-minded. So it's like being daring and bold, but also being open-minded. And I think that's something I've, I've realized, but um, no, I mean, I, I think that's, that's awesome holding. I mean, I think like, um, yeah, there's so much to talk about. I mean, your military experience to doing startups and like, you know, the, you know, the, the similarities there. Um, but I guess like, uh, what was the, what was that moment for you in the military where things clicked? Is there any specific experience? I mean, from your military yeah. you know, journey that, that kind of like epiphany or anything like that? Yeah, so that's a that's a really good question. Uh, the one that comes to mind is actually in basic training. So, like I said, I, I really struggled in in basic. Uh, you know, you're getting yelled at, yelled at, and doing push ups day in and day yeah. out, and waking up early and this and the other. Uh, p- people who I think growing up and doing sports really really helps in that because you know you have that kind of uh, structure, and I, I didn't really have that. So I have failed the first two PT tests, which are just like your physical training tests. You have to, you know, get X amount of push-ups, X amount of sit-ups, and a two-mile run under a certain amount of time. And I'd failed the first two, and I needed to pass the last one. And, and do you remember what what those times were, or what those like? Yeah. So I think at eighteen. So I joined at seventeen. I went to basic at eighteen. I think yeah. at eighteen you needed something like forty-two push-ups. 50 something setups and a two mile run under like 15 minutes and 30 seconds. So not like they weren't like excruciatingly bad. Like yeah, I think yeah. they were like pretty standard. And I think if you were like in decent shape, you can do it. Uh, I, I just like, I was still in that kind of mindset of like, sure. this is starting to get hard. I'm just going to yeah. quit. And one of my, my good friends in basic came up to me the day before um, the third PT test. And he basically said like, Lim Bloom, because we all went by our last names. He was like, you failed at everything in your life. Like you almost quit high school. You quit all your sports. Mm. You failed the last two PT tests. Like if you fail this, you're going to be a piece of shit. Hopefully I can curse on this. You're going to be yeah. a piece of shit the rest of your life. Like yeah. you're just not going to amount to anything. Like you need to pass this. Otherwise you're just going to quit in anything. And it's a real tough love. To like a real tough love. And like, I mean, he was right. Like, you know, I, I really did. I was like in that mindset of like, oh, boo hoo, yeah. poor me. Like I'm just going to yeah. quit. And he just kind of slapped me across the face. He's like, you need to finish this, like finish just one thing in your life. That's Mm -hmm. hard. And just like do it. And, you know, the next day I passed the PT test and like just with that kind of head in my mind or his his thoughts in my mind, just like just freaking pass something for once in your life. And um, I passed that PT test. We did the was a 10 or 15 mile ruck march, you know, to culminate everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, standing there. And another kind of point of pride. So at the end of the rock march, there's some people that were falling out, just passing out. Cause I mean, you're, you're exhausted yeah. and it's very late and I didn't pass out then. I was like, Oh yeah. I was like one of the few people that like didn't pass out, you know, standing up and, and just graduating this, having that sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I think that's when it clicked because I went into job training just saying like, that felt really good. Like yeah. let me continue that. And, and um, yeah, just that- having that tough love. Yeah, that, no, that that's that's great. I feel like, um, yeah, a bunch of stuff around that topic. I mean, I I've you know heard a lot in like different podcasts from you know this kind of idea that, uh, especially in developing countries, there's a lot more like suicide and depression because people are, are developed countries because people kind of have everything in a way, and like you don't really have like struggle like we used to or like a purpose. And so I feel like sounds like the military kind of made you realize that, I mean, you obviously could, you're highly capable, 
you realize that you want, you know, maybe you didn't have the right purpose or goal or you thought you, you couldn't do things. And then that kind of gave you that inspiration. Yeah. And like, I think, I think a lot of people can benefit from that because everyone's capable. Um, you know, everyone can do great things. So it's, it's really mindset. Um, super cliche, but it's true. No, I think it is like, it, it really is about digging deep. And I mean, uh, there's definitely arguments to have, I mean, you know, you got to have some sort of baseline, but at the same time, sure, like, sure. It, it really is, you know, how much time and effort you want to put in. Um, I mean, upbringing brings, I think a little bit of, you know, of that as well. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just getting into that mindset, really pushing and, and needing to dig deep in certain times. And um, there's a lot you can achieve with that kind of just proper mindset and, and preparation. Yeah, yeah uh, that's great. Yeah, no, and I feel, uh, I remember and actually at Stanford, uh, so we met through EJ. I know you were yeah. on the Polo team. So yeah, Polo, was that like, you were just like, screw it, I want to try something new, kind of this like, I'm going to come to Stanford and, and jump on a horse. And... Yeah. So yeah, there's, and I can kind of backtrack a little bit there. So yeah, yeah. I got to, um, I, I got into Amherst, Yale and Stanford and maybe a couple others. Um, and w there's kind of two reasons I picked Stanford, but one of the big ones was a lot of the big changes and learning moments in my life correlate also with the big move. So, you know, with the army, it was going from Massachusetts to Oklahoma, then to Italy and yeah. Germany and Afghanistan, Tennessee and all this other stuff. Right. And I mean, from Sweden to the U S so I knew that, if I had picked one of those closer uh, schools, I would have been sticking to my bubble, right? I would have mm. had that kind of safety net, that bubble of, oh, my friends are here, you know, yeah, close, yeah. I can go anytime I want. And so I picked Stanford because I was like, I need to get rid of all my safety nets. I need to fly yeah. across the country and put myself, you know, in a in a austere environment and away from all those safety nets and really try something different. And I think the polo club kind of played along with that. Yeah. Um, I was like, I've never ridden a horse before in my life, or if I have, like, it was like at a zoo or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's a fun little sport that you know you can't really do outside of college unless you have a lot of money. Uh, and three, like, I thought it was like a little funny. Like, I thought there was like some humor to like, oh, like, what sport did you play in high school or college? It's like, oh, horse polo. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, like it was just kind of one of those out there sports that seemed fun. It was going to be challenging. And then like a little bit of humor of like, wait, you're playing polo at like, Stanford, <laughs> like why? Yeah. Yeah. Super bougie. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Play If you're going to go to Stanford, might as well play a bougie. Yeah. Sport. Might as well. Right. Um, or yeah, that's, that's super funny. Um, no, you said you said something there about like trying different, you know, different things and going out outside your comfort zone. Um, that's that's super interesting. Also, I, I feel like we should definitely cover, or you know, if you're comfortable with like, so you, you did you were out in Afghanistan, you were out, yeah, there. Okay, yeah. so I I uh, so kind of chronologically graduated 2012. Yeah. Um, or no, no, 2011 actually. I graduated 2011. Um, joined the army June of 2011 got to Italy with the 173rd Airborne, went to the JFO school where I, I talked to aircraft and helicopters. Mm -hmm. um, and so my job was 13 Fox, which is fire support specialist, which is a forward observer. So you have a radio on your back, yeah. maps, uh, you walk around with the infantry and you basically tell artillery and non-direct fire systems where to shoot. So artillery, 
you know, they're way back there. They don't know where to shoot. You're out there with a map. You know where all the friendly people wow, are. That's and crazy. You, you say, okay, you need to fire at this grid or you need to move here. Or, we got friendlies here. Like, don't hit this area. It, it, and so, so it's like in all the, all the war movies, it's like the guy with the thing on his back and like the phone, depending on what, it, what, like, what era of like technology. It's either like the phone or it's like a, like, exactly. Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. Like a radio. Exactly. Yeah, so that was basically my job. Um, so talking to indirect fire systems and then JFO school teaches you how to talk to the aircraft. So once yeah. again, like sometimes aircraft come from uh, all over. They don't really know what's going on. So you tell them where friendly locations are, where to look yeah. and this, that and the other. Um, and so I, I did that. And then I went to, I think I went to Afghanistan like July 7th or something like that. I remember celebrating July 4th on base. And then I, I came back February, March of 2013 so i was there for about nine months eight eight nine months wow how was that it was interesting um i think the biggest misconception civilians typically have and i don't like using that word because it makes it feel like there's just like giant divide between like veteran and civilian but like yeah. i guess like people who aren't familiar with the military like i think some people have this image of like saving private ryan or like black hawk down where they're just like battles like every single day like we're just like in the trenches like moving yeah. like it's it's not like that right um i was on a i was on a forward operating base at first which is like just a giant airfield like sometimes there's like popeye's chicken like there's actually like a starbucks or a popeye's chicken. like there are some oh, huge really? air bases. uh the one i was on didn't have that but it was big enough that like you had big tents you had showers this that, and the other Mm -hmm. Then I got sent to a place called Cop uh, Kerwar, which is a very small outpost. This was, um, you know, one company, so maybe 80 people there, just enough for a helicopter to land, barbed wire. You know, we're checking our things all the time. Uh, our uh, water tank got blown up, so we didn't have actually any running water uh, for a while. So, you know, it was rough. Uh, like, you know, not showering for like a month is uh, not ideal. <laughs> but... At the same time, you know, like I wouldn't trade that experience because you're basically in like just a horrible situation with a close group of people and you really are kind of defending for yourself. Yeah. Um, and it was just like really unique. Um, like, I mean, obviously there were a bad day. I mean, we did take indirect fire, you know, we did get shot at and all that other stuff. Um, but. Yeah, you, you. I guess you don't really like think about it then. Like you're kind of just all in it together, and it. Yeah. This is maybe a bit of a stretch, like, and not a one for one comparison. But you know, when you're like starting a startup, right? Like, it's a small group of people with a common goal in mind. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out that problem, and you're all in it together. Yeah. Obviously, no real life and death situation in the world. Um, but, you know. But like you don't think about it. like when when I was deployed, like I don't think even when I was getting shot at, I don't think I ever like thought like, oh, like, like I'm going to just die. Like it was yeah. just like, no, like we're getting shot at. Like what? OK, what do we need to do in order to accomplish the mission? Like we got to go here. I got to move here. I'm talking yeah. to an aircraft like it, it, it's more just like you're so focused on your job that that's what you're going to do. And but, but I think there's a lot of. Did that come from training, though? I mean, I feel like if you put through any random yeah. person, like in, your initial response is like, holy shit, you know, I'm trying to run away or like fight or flight, you know? 
Yeah, no, I mean, training obviously definitely helps a whole lot to, you know, get prepared for that. And, you know, you do it a, a million times over yeah. iteration, over iteration, over iteration. So when a day does come, um, you know, you're ready to do it uh, properly. But, you know, I think you're just so focused on the training and so focused on just getting yeah. it done that kind of everything else kind of goes to the wayside. But, you know. I, I I wouldn't trade my army experience out for anything. I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Obviously I got out for a reason. Um, there's a lot of negative aspects to the military um, yeah. that aren't fun, but like, like what? It, I mean, like it's not fun waking up at like five thirty, six AM in the morning, every single day, like working out for like two hours it's definitely not fun, like getting yelled at for somebody else's mistake or something. Like I remember when I was a private, you know, uh, I was, you know, we live in barracks, which are basically like college dorms. Mm-hmm. And the one of the barracks I was in, it was like a two things. I had my bedroom and another person had their bedroom uh, next to me and they didn't take out the trash for like a week. So they had like a bag of garbage. And one of the sergeants came by and was like, well, like, why does he have like all this trash in his room, blah, blah, blah. Like, why aren't you squaring him away? It's like, he's a grown ass man. Like, why am I the one in charge of like him taking out his trash? And of course, like I'm getting smoked and yelled at like why I didn't like take care of this like 18, 19 year old for like yeah. taking out his trash. It's like his door was closed. Like what do you want me to do about it? Um, and I, I, I mean like, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, you, I think another thing too is like when you're in garrison, which is like you're in the state side, I think people think like, you're always just like preparing for war, like living in yeah. tents. Like, no, you live in like barracks, which are basically dorms. You do typically have your weekends off. But then again, like, you know, we had a weekend off in Italy and like somebody was really drunk one day and like got a fire extinguisher and like set off the fire extinguisher and they recalled everyone. So like, it doesn't matter if you're like at the beach, you need to get on the next train back and like get onto base and everyone's locked down. And yeah. like, once again, right, like you're losing your weekend because like one person did something yeah, yeah. stupid. Um, sounds like college a little bit like fraternity yeah exactly yeah exactly except like you know you can get you know maybe a little bit more court-martialed or you know yeah. yell that or like <laughs> and i mean like in a fraternity somebody like messed up and like you're on a vacation they're not gonna be like oh come back from tahoe you'd be like no yeah. like i'm yeah. not gonna do that um where am i going with that train of thought so you know th- there's stuff like that i mean obviously like it can be kind of grueling it does physically take a toll on you yeah um and I think for me, I joined kind of with this idea of, you know, I wanted to, I want to utilize it a way to prepare myself yeah. and get some of that education, get some of those benefits and get my head on straight and staying in for another four five, six years. I didn't see that much utility kind of coming from it. Sure. Um, no, I think that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's cool. Like, yeah, I mean, ideally, I feel like, you know, people obviously have different interests, but I feel like ideally it could be really cool if you just life was structured in a way where um, you could just try a bunch of different experiences. Um, not yeah. everything, but like you, oh, I like these things and just try it out. And like, I feel like, I feel like you've, you've done that. I feel like in a, in a way, and, it, and I would definitely would say with like VCs and like your, like your team and stuff, definitely like lean into like, you know, I was in the military, I was getting shot at, like, you know, I, I can take anything, but yeah, uh, but it, it sounds like I mean honestly, your story kind of sounds like a a modern day tech like Forrest Gump, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep on running. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, and I've been I've been super super fortunate to have those opportunities. Yeah, and like I will say, like I'll caveat, you know, 
I've had a very loving family. Like, you know, when I got out, I was able to move in with my dad. I had a sister who went to Yale, who was like able to put me in contact with somebody who, you know, knew services school. So like by no means am I like a hundred percent, like just doing it myself. Like obviously like I'll give myself credit and, you know, I've been able to do a lot. Um, but you know, big support network also really helps. And if you don't want to have, if you don't have one intrinsically, yeah, like my one, kind of piece of advice is like try to find it there's like so many nonprofits and yeah. so many support networks out there that like they're so important and like just having chats like this you know you yeah, and i, I are talking and i talk to other entrepreneurs as well like yeah. trying to do it yourself and like rambo your way through life yeah. is so difficult and it really yeah. ties one hand behind the back 100 percent. yeah no i mean yeah it's a whole other topic you can talk about in a second but um uh yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, you've been kind of like a sole entrepreneur and like doing things on your own. I, I think that's extremely difficult to just be like, I mean, a lot, everyone has ideas and wants self-improvement, try new yeah. things out. But a lot of times we just need, you need support to actually go and do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, you you went out for those, you know, you were open-minded enough to even want to pursue it. And obviously, you know, your, yeah. your support network helped. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's, I mean, that's like a bigger topic of, of, uh, support network. Um, I mean, it's an interesting topic, but around like entrepreneurship and, and, and I used to be kind of like against this idea, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more warming up to more, which is basically that not everyone can take risks. Um, you know, finan- yeah. financial background, socioeconomic, a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I used to say like, you know, screw that, you know, you know, lift yourself up by your bootstraps, whatever, go for it, you know, no excuses, all that, you know, American dream. I still very much believe that, but also do at the same time, understand that, that for instance, a startup, you know, you can't, um, can't do that if you don't have, you know, the background or at least the, the ability to take a risk yeah. for a certain amount of t- uh, time. You yourself, you know, try, you know, going to a great school and then like kind of turning down like an investment banking role or career, um, I mean, maybe not even financial, but um, emotional support. Like, let's say your family was like, hey, no, Holden, like you're, you have to do this. Like you need to pay off, you know, whatever, like, uh, people don't have that flexibility. And so like, uh, I'm definitely fortunate to have that for my family. It sounds like you, you from your family as well to just like, yeah. um, and I'm going to do it for my kids, you know, hopefully that they, whatever they want to do, you know, um, and hopefully there's resources, but just go for it. And, um, but I know a lot of people don't have that luxury, um, to just kind of like view life as a bunch of, uh, experiments and like, you know, have, have the time to try new things out. A lot of people are like, no, I got to make money now. Or like, I can't take a risk or, you know, my parents would not support yeah. that or whatever. So like, that's definitely a bigger part of it that I'm, I'm realizing now more than I did before. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a tough line to, to, to walk. Right. Because I mean, like it, 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 everyone has their own kind of risk tolerance, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I was starting this with, you know, really nothing in the bank account. I was using credit cards to kind of pay for all the startup costs. And, yeah. you know, granted, you know, once again, I have some network, you know, I, I, I never felt like, okay, if I fail this, I'm going to be on the streets. Yeah. Um, but it, it really is just, you know, on an individual basis, you know, how much risk you're willing to take to kind of do it. And yeah. Everyone's a little bit different. I mean, there are people who are, you know, have the safety net, have the kind of support network, have the financial bearings, and then still don't take the risk. Yeah. And it, it really does take a unique mindset. And I think you and I maybe a, a hit on this. Like it really takes a kind of special person um, to say like, okay, I could be taking this great job in this field and this and the other, yeah. but I'm forgoing that to try to take this Absolutely. kind of risky path and, and yeah. see what happens. 
yeah, I mean, it's, and it, your life has been, you know, like everything's habit and, you know, routine. And I, it's a muscle too. I mean, you, you, you broke that or like you tried that first week going in the military of just trying something new and going for it and it paid off. And then probably like, Oh wow. Like I can do what, you know, what I put my mind towards. Um, and I, and I know I definitely feel this. I mean, I started like some small started when I was 18, just like, like, why not? You know? And I went for it and that kind of like, okay, I can, you know, oh, it's not that hard or you can do it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a thin different. line of, okay. Yeah. No, what were you say? I was going to say, yeah, it's a thin line between, uh, like insanity and, and bravery, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think you, you, you gotta be brave and, and take risks. And then like, you gotta have a little bit of that insanity to be like, oh yeah, like this is possible. Like I'm the one that's going to be able to do it. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, and, and it, sometimes it works out and I think you gotta have a little bit of that too. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, if you think about it, it's, it's absolutely wild. Um, I mean, it, it's great. And, you know, people should have this mindset. But it, it's a little bit of insanity to be like, oh, like an 18 or 23, like, yeah, yeah I'm the one that's going to be able to do this. Disrupt then, everything, like a whole, you know, old industry, like, yeah, I'm going to disrupt payments. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. Like, when you look at Uber, you're like, I don't think, I mean, how many people are thinking, okay, like, yeah, taxis are the thing that is going to be yeah. like suddenly wiped out. And Uber and Lyft came around and just completely reinvigorated the game. And it takes a little bit of insanity to be like, I'm going to take on. Yeah. the only thing in this market and completely turn it on its head. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I've always thought it's like, it's like a balance of being uh, like, I feel like every entrepreneur needs to be um, pragmatic or cynical, but at the same time, like kind of naive, like naive enough yeah. to think that you can change something, but also like pragmatic where it's like, okay. And then you, and you did this, you know, like four months in, like this isn't working, let's move on. Or like, you know, let's, let's pivot. Let's just do something differently. Um, but I, I mean, I think you just got to go for it. I actually, um, probably have her on the podcast later, but a friend from Stanford, she, she kind of put it this way and it's a very, very logical, like kind of contrarian view, which is that if you go to a good school or if you have, you know, the background or the ability or whatever, um, it actually makes more sense to do a startup, found a startup in your twenties than anything else. If you think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, you can always, if you go to like a good school, whatever, you know, you worked hard, you can always get that job at Google or that job at, you know, private exactly. equity later on. But as you get older, you have more responsibility, obviously more experience and like you have you probably have a higher chance of being successful later on. But, um, but, it, but yeah, so basically it, it pays off to take risks when you're younger. And then the kind of the, now the tree goes like, do you go join a startup or do you found a startup? And her, the way she put it was that, um, if you join a startup, you get all the risk and like pretty low reward, pretty little reward. I mean, yeah. you know, you can be a co-founder, but I mean, or you could be early employee, but realistically, you're not getting all the benefits of being a founder, um, right. the, all the upside. But then if you, but, but now if you found a startup, then you get like, then you get all the, the upside. So it's kind of like, logically, if you like are this position, you should start a company. Um, yeah. but of course, obviously there's, you know, like burnout, having the right idea, forcing it, a bunch of other, other, you know. Um, nuances there but she put it that way and it's it's kind of a good argument to just like go for it why not yeah and and the i think the market's ready i mean there's just so many i mean there's so many problems out there right and there's so many yeah. smart people coming out of these schools and the money's there right like yeah. you're going to be able to find some sort of pre-seed or seed round funding or angel investment this that and the other uh, or like bootstrap to some extent um and like, I, I think that's what the world this is becoming very philosophical here, uh, but like the world needs that, right? Like you need yeah. just like smart young people that are willing to take the risk to try to solve these like big problems. 100%. And like time and time again, you see these like 
yeah. startups emerge that are just really awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the the free market, and like you know, there is incentive, ego, and you know, reward, financial reward, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and then curiosity, and then people are out there being like, hey, these are problems. There's opportunity here. Let's go for it. And then other people see and it's the so fun. and follow. Yeah, and, and there's and there's so many. I mean, there are a lot of highs and lows of. Of, of startup life. Right. But I think it's yeah. such a valuable learning lesson, especially out of school too. just, you know, like the amount of things that I learned, Yeah, you know, even at, even at 28, you know, I'm learning about like tax preparation for companies yeah. and local <laughs> municipal laws and zonings and this, that, and the yeah, other, yeah. And you just don't get that experience anywhere else. And you start to see really, you know, how companies work, what kind of, things are happening kind of behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it's so applicable to the rest of your life and other companies you work at, you know, if for whatever reason you do, you know, end up switching out of startups, yeah. um, that is a valuable experience. hundred percent. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I guess like this good segue, love to hear more about the journey of like food tech. Like first off, I mean, it sounds like great background and like, uh, of like being interested in food tech and it's a whole nother thing of like around, like when I hear entrepreneurs, you know, know what area they want to get into because a lot of times they don't i'm one person who has like a lot of interest but kind of knowing that you you know talk about like food tech a little bit why you wanted to get into that you talked a little bit about that with your background and then kind of like the journey from um just your entrepreneurship journey you know the past like two years and like what that's been like you know i guess we can just kind of go from there yeah so uh, like i said i mean i've loved food my entire life i watch iron chef uh, you know, with my dad growing up and then Iron Chef America and all the Anthony Bourdain's and going out to restaurants all the time. Uh, so I just always been enamored with food. I cook all the time. Um, so that's what I was kind of gravitating towards. And, the, you know, exactly with um, ZX Ventures, you know, in the kind of yeah. consumer beverage world. Um, so that's what I knew I wanted to do. And when it came down to starting an actual startup, I basically looked into, okay, I know I want to do food, you know, this giant scope of food. That's what I want to do. Now, what's like one step below that? And that was, okay, what kind of problems are there? And for Cook Easy, it was, okay, people are wasting a lot of food. I was talking Mm -hmm. to people and say, you know, I'm always throwing out leftover apples or tomatoes and this, that, and the other. Who are you talking to? It's very like D-school, like, and it's huge, like good advice, like know your customers, you know, when you identify an area, I think that's number one. And then like, or even before that, like, no, talk to people and just like figure out problems, especially if it's consumer related. Like, who are you talking to to like understand? Yeah. That? So ideally, right, you're going out on the street and talking to completely random people. Yeah. That is, uh, I think, the school answer. This was at the very beginning of COVID where okay. everyone was locked down. So it was a little um, restricted on how many people I could talk to. But I started with kind of friends and family, mm-hmm. which you're always going to get a little bit of a biased answer uh, from right. them. But I think it's good to kind of start with them and then kind of tangentially go, you know, friends of friends, friends of friends, friends, uh, and just try to get as many diverse kind of opinions as you can uh, within different age groups, right? Because you're going to have different problems. With prob- sometimes problems affect different age groups completely differently, right? Like right. a 25-year-old's problem is going to be very different than a 45-year-old's uh, problem. So that's where I started. And, and one of the common themes I heard was, you know, I'm always buying a lot of this food. And then I have that leftover cabbage. I have the leftover this, that, and the other. And so that's how kind of Cook Easy came about was hearing these problem statements, consolidating to, okay, it's food waste. 
um, how do we solve that? Okay, a meal planning app that kind of reduces, you plans out all your meals yeah. and combines all the ingredients so you're reducing your food waste. Um, Picomart came about a little bit better and I think a little bit more traditionally what you should be doing, right? Um, yeah. Cookies was going down. I said, okay, let me just get some whole bunch of produce from a local farm, put yeah. it on a table and talk to this passerby. So I was living with my dad at the time. I put it on his driveway yeah. and I just started talking to random people that were coming by the street and just saying like, you know, what do you like? What are, what are the things that you're enjoying? And they kept saying, you know, I love that this is local. I love that it's right by my house, that mm-hmm. I don't have to commute all the way to Whole Foods. I don't have to wait in line, this, that, and the other. I love that it feels fresh. It feels like this is a farmer's market. So I think that's the kind of way, because I think one issue sometimes entrepreneurs make at the very beginning is they ask very like leading questions. And I think one of the mistakes I made at the beginning too was, you know, you would go, Oh, so like how often do you uh, throw out like food? Oh, you know, probably like once a week. Okay. Like what do you throw out? Oh, I always have some tomatoes. Now how does that make you feel? Oh, like I don't like it. Well, like, of course you have, you don't like, like, (laughs) there's only one answer to that question, right? Like there's only, I love throwing out food. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love wasting food. Exactly. Where I think if it's a little bit more natural, a little bit more like a conversation, right? They're going to be a little bit more honest with you and and give you those those golden nuggets a little bit better because you're not leading them on. You're just saying, okay, what things do you like? Okay. Oh, so you do go to Whole Foods. Well, like, what don't you like about that? Or, you know, can you walk me through just your experience? Oh, well, I do this. And then, yeah, I hate that I'm like waiting in line and da da da. And you can pick up on that rather than mm-hmm. kind of leading them into those those answers. Oh yeah. No, I, I definitely think, yeah. And like kind of a cop out answer and I a hundred percent agree, but I feel like there's no true answer. I think it's kind of like, yeah, ha- sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, is it better to have like a pre-de- predefined research thesis that like you talk to no one about and like you research like a high level looking at data, working at a company. It's like sometimes, or is it better to go out and like stumble upon an idea? And so it's like, Hey, like, you know, this would be kind of cool and start doing it's like, Sometimes, you know, it's like, but I definitely do agree with like consistent, like keep asking people and iterating. I mean, I, you iterated a ton with Pico Mart and I think that's like in a very fast amount of time, like, especially with consumer, that's like the most important thing. Just like experimenting, gathering feedback because who knows, right? Like it could, people are weird, you know, they don't really explain how they like things or why I just kind of, you know. Exactly. Consumers uh, to some extent, you know, obviously And, and so you're really kind of guessing uh, and just trialing error, uh, you know, what they really want. And sometimes they say it's a problem, but it's really not. Um, yeah. Or they say it's a problem, but they don't really or they're apathetic enough to not care enough to, to, to fix it. Um, and exactly to your point, I mean, we started obviously we started with a table. Then I built a thing out of Home Depot, like to mm-hmm. build a kind of makeshift kiosk. Assumed it was going to be more of like a. Um, food truck that drove around and like would stop at different locations and then have people buy from that. And then I found that like zoning is incredibly difficult. You have to plan with the the town or city whole bunch. So I was like, okay, so that becomes scalability becomes a big issue. People aren't going to know exactly where we are. But the cool, the cool thing there though, and I think I love this or to cut you off is like, you wouldn't know that unless you went for it. Right. I think like, I think that's the coolest part is like, I think, it's fun when you get it. Like you have a little bit of an idea, obviously not super hasty. Be like, okay, this is kind of the problem. Let's just build like an MVP and start like trying to do it and see what we uncover. 
Cause sometimes there's barriers that you didn't even realize like that. Like, you know, that's, that's a big, imagine if you put together, you didn't even like, you know, build anything. You spent like a two years doing a pitch deck yeah. or something. And like, and you had this whole idea for a food truck and all the technology and then you went to go do it. like, Oh wow. Like we didn't realize there's like regulations or, you know. Exactly. And that's why you just got to iterate as fast as you can and figure yeah. out what works. And I mean, it was like, Oh, do we just park here? And then like, how do we solve that? And da, da, da. Yeah. And you can quickly just figure out like, okay. And, and I mean, it took a while I mean, you know, a couple months, few months, but then we, we landed on, you know, our current iteration. And, yeah. and right now we already got a testing location, you know, it's coming in, we're going to start testing it. Um, and that wouldn't be possible without those constant changes and iterations yeah. Yeah. and figuring out just kind of on the ground level, like, okay, how is this actually going to work? Mm-hmm. That's super cool. It's going to actually, uh, uh, what's it called uh, in, in programming? Um, like recursion? Do you, do you ever t- recursion. Yeah. It's basically like recursion, yeah. right? You, you go yeah. down a path, you hit a stop and you say, okay, let me back up one bit. Let me go down yeah. this path and see if that works you yeah, a little yeah, further. Yeah. You back up a little bit and you keep going. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of like, it's like process of elimination. I mean, obviously with like insights along yeah. the way, but you're just kind of like, yeah, you're just, okay. What's like the goal I think. And then it's just yeah. trying different paths and like, okay, that doesn't work. Go back, you know, try that, you know, learn. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that, that's, uh, I love, I love, I love hearing those stories. Cause I think that's like, that's what, like, that's really what the beauty of it is like the process, you know, like learning and like understanding and kind of coming up with a cool solution rather than like, like what you hear and you know, the news of like, Oh yeah. Overnight, you know, idea. And then that's exactly what works. Like never like that. That's just like, that's what's no, it, exactly. I think there's like misconception that startups are, it's just like this one super genius on his computer, like programming out yeah, for three yeah. days straight. And it's like, Oh, like yeah. here's Airbnb. Like, yeah. you know, like it's not like that. I mean, I think Airbnb was a different startup and then they needed some money. They started yeah. renting out their own place and they just kind of iterated from that. Twitter yeah. was some like mess text message notification system. Yeah. Um, like uh, I, I'd be hard pressed to find an example of a startup that like started out as one thing and remain that same thing, you know, throughout its entire life. Like yeah. most startups pivot and most have those up and downs and zigzags. Yeah. And I think the important part there hundred percent is like, um, like healthy pivoting, you know, or like, yeah, I think that should be taught more of like, cause your original idea is not going to work. Um, but it's like, wh- what do you look at? What data is it? You know, obviously sometimes it's gut, it's emotion. And like, when do you stop? When you're like, Hey, like this isn't working, let's move on. And when, and when do you yeah. just keep, because sometimes you got to keep pushing too, you know, it's like yeah. hard to know that, but I guess you just learn over time. Um, I want to bring up a, like, I think it's really interesting, like relevant industry of like um, vending machines. I know we, when we first chatted mm-hmm. about Pico Mar, I was like, Oh, have you heard of Stockwell, which used yeah. to be called um, uh, uh, Bodega. Bodega. They got a, they got a lot of flack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, Talk about like, a case study for bad publicity. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. we're just going to get rid of the corner store. Yeah. Like, yeah every mom and pop store. Yeah. We're just going to shut it down. Like, yep. uh, maybe that shouldn't be your mission. Yeah. And they, and they were like, I think they're like white or non Hispanic and like, oh, you're culturally appropriating mm. and all that. Um, but they, they managed to survive that. They changed their name. And yeah. I know, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, in my apartment, both my apartment complexes I'm in right now in San Francisco had Stockwell and, you know, me and my friends would use it. And it was pretty, really cool. And I think it was like coming around a time when like, I think you guys use this, that you have the technology with, you know, cameras understand when people mm-hmm. are 
you know, buying things and putting them back. Um, and then last year, I remember we were chatting. I'm like, you know, I, I was, you know, kind of keeping tabs on them because it's an interesting company. And the more and more I read about them, they eventually um, got, they shut down. I got like a notification on my phone, read about it. And then they were acquired by a large vending machine company. Um, but I like, read into that more and we were chatting about it that vending machine companies have horrible margins because they just don't understand demand. You know, when are you going to buy like peanut M&Ms, right? And they have to go send a guy out to put peanut M&Ms in like a vending machine in like some random strip mall. And like, so it, like they didn't have consistent demand and understanding of that. And even though Stockwell was innovative and they were going for apartment complexes, which I feel like um, more young people are living in apartments in you know, big cities yeah. that are more innovative. It, they still had issues there. And I don't, I don't know how they're like, how they're looking, but I know when we chatted, I mean, you know, your rebuttal of that is that, you know, you guys are going the complete opposite direction. I guess you want to like elaborate on that. Cause I think yeah. that's an interesting backdrop, you know, related to this kind of like vending, you know, food convenience kind of industry. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. And, you know, I think one of their uh, biggest issues was going that kind of convenience route in terms of, you know, you're putting peanut M&Ms, toilet paper, this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I love a good Dorito, right? Like a Dorito <laughs> or, you know, peanut M&M. But yeah. how often throughout the week am I going like, ah, you know what that thing that I really want, like peanut M&Ms? Uh, more so than not, it's, uh, you know, I ran out of tomatoes, ran out of lettuce. I don't have eggs. Yeah. I don't have milk. I don't have these kind of stapled items yeah. in my uh, refrigerator that you're constantly cooking with, you know, every single day. Uh, and, and that's our approach is that we're going for those kind of high purchase items, those things that you're consistently, consistently running out of yeah. and those things that you can get at your local uh, farm and farmer's market. Right. I think the demand there is much higher. Yeah. Uh, the margins are much better. Um, and with the, the current climate, right. I think the millennial market is focusing more on that healthy, organic, local produce uh, kind of items. And we're turning away from those high sugars, those kind of empty carbs and this, that, and the other. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're targeting a, a, a better demand. Uh, we're providing items that people actually want and just use more often of, right? Like how many times are you eating peanut M&Ms throughout the month compared to how often are you uh, eating salad or tomatoes? Yeah. or this, And, that, and, and, and cooking, right? I mean, I... And cooking in general, yeah. Yeah, I mean, another, I mean, another big thing with startups, I think, is timing. And like, you know, I'm sure yeah. you're gonna, you know, you're you're early, be moving faster, iterating, doing everything right. And like the timing of like COVID, you know, pe- more more and more people cooking at home. I mean, I know um, when you're doing meal kits, you know, uh, yeah. I I subscribed to HelloFresh Hello last year. I didn't know how to cook at all. It's like super embarrassing. Yeah. And I had to learn how to cook. I couldn't do like food delivery all the, you know, it's expensive. Um, so I started doing that more, and like I actually like cooking now. So I feel like that, and like. Um, Blue Apron's a great example. They like were big a couple of years ago and then like the IPO and they tanked. They haven't really, they didn't really recover. And then, and then last year they just started picking up like crazy because everyone's at home wanting to cook. And I feel like those, those are habits now that are going to be, la- you know, long lasting or more and more people, like you said, like are health, you know, health conscious. They're cooking at home. Um, you do have this millennial cohort that's now living alone with roommates or with, you know, uh, a partner. And now they're cooking and they need something. So um, definitely like the, I feel like the timing, timing is a big, really important piece. I feel like you're really on top of it with EcoMart. And yeah, and, and, and thank you. Uh, and congrats on, on getting into cooking. I mean, it's so important. Like I have a lot of philosophies on cooking and how it brings yeah. people together and this and the other, but I, I think it's so important and, and being connected to the food and, and, and trying things out. 
Um, you know, obviously, like, I mean, I've done the sous vide and I deep fry and I, I do all these crazy things. But at the end of the day, right, I think my thing is just getting people to cook more at home, uh, using different uh, ingredients and, and as well as like just being creative. Like, once again, I'm a very creative person and cooking is just another creative outlet. Right. Yeah. I think there's this mindset of um, I need to have like all these ingredients. Like if I'm going to make spaghetti car carbonara, I need to have the guanciale. I got to have the, the farm fresh eggs. I got to have the homemade pasta and this, that, and the other. Yeah. Right. But it's, you know, it's whatever you have, right? Like if you have some fresh tomatoes, like just think of like something creative to do with fresh tomatoes. Yeah. Think of something to do with, uh, you know, fresh lettuce. You don't always need to have all the ingredients. You can be creative. And, and, I think HelloFresh and Blue Apron do a pretty good job of that, of like teaching those basics. Mm -hmm. I think what PicoMart wants to do is take that a step further and say, you know, yeah. here are some ingredients, be creative, do something special with it. And obviously we can give recommendations on, on different meals that you can do with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, having don't, worked in advertising, spent a lot of time thinking about marketing. Um, I think it's, I think at a home advertising um, <clears throat> is extremely val like important and like going to be growing, especially as like there's like um, a lot of attribution loss with ITP, and, you know, data privacy, all those things. And the point there being that like if you can have a uh, you know a fixture in most apartment buildings, that's you know kind of zero cost to the building or you know whatever right. deal that makes sense. That um, that then becomes a distribution channel for a lot of CPG products, which are now, you know, I think there's a huge renaissance of like more and more CPG, which, which in my opinion is with consumer, just every generation wants new things. And so like, yeah. you know, peanut M&Ms are out <laughs> or, you know, whatever. And, and now it's like, uh, you know, the RX bar, you know, and like people just want new, new brands and everything. So now there's just yeah. like a new, a new wave of, of new cut, like new, um, like niche, like, like niches being like, you know, occupied by new things. And so I think that's interesting for you guys in the future to explore, um, you know, in it terms is. of like, at, you know, marketing and all that and, and new products. Cause I think there are so many of them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, our goal is right. Just to, to make the barrier entry for us uh, to the apartments as low as possible. Right. You know, we don't charge the apartments uh, to install these things. Uh, you know, we're not charging them to build them. Yeah. We're just asking for a little bit of real estate. We put this in, we service yeah. them, we maintain them. Uh, and it truly is, you know, we're looking at this as an amenity to uh, the tenants of these apartment buildings. Like who doesn't want a miniature farmer's market, you know, 10 feet from their door in their lobby where they can get all these kind of fresh produce items yeah. and which apartment wouldn't want to be able to provide that as an amenity to their tenants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're really bullish, obviously, uh, and we're really uh, hopeful uh, that others see it that way. And, and, you know, hopefully our assumptions are right and, and people are excited about it. Amazing. Awesome. Well, hold it. It's been great having you on the podcast. Uh, uh, you know, really appreciate, you know, learning your story and, you know, chatting with you again. And um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff we talked about that hopefully people can take home. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch and best of luck with Pico Mart. But, um, but yeah, man, it's been great having you on, on the podcast. No, yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, best of luck with this. Uh, really fun to, to come chat. Hopefully I didn't uh, ramble uh, too too long and people can, can figure out my coherent uh, trains of thought. Um, but yeah, it was an absolute pleasure and it's always great chatting.